Good morning, church. How are you doing? Can we pray before we get going? Oh, Father God, we come to You this morning. And we come to You this morning on the day that we're celebrating all fathers. And we come to You this morning as Your children. We come to You this morning um, as a child does to their father. We're coming to You unencumbered. We're coming to You with full confidence. We're coming to You with full access. We're coming to You in a way that we can only do because You first decided to become our Father. And this morning, as we connect with You this morning, yes, You are Lord. Yes, You are Creator. Yes, You are all of those things. But this morning, my heart is that you would touch your children in a way that only a parent can. I pray that you minister to broken hearts. I pray that you um, love your children who are maybe in pain and being crushed. I pray, Father, that if there's lost people here this morning, that you would give them hope and assurance for their future in a way that only the love of a father can. So this morning, I pray that all of God's people would come to you as a child. I pray for the the next 30 minutes that we not be adult-like. I pray that we not be so immature that we can't respond appropriately. I pray, Father God, that we just come to you with childlike faith to trust you and to love you and to worship you and to be taught from you this morning. And all of God's people said, Amen, amen. You may grab your seats and welcome. Everybody else has said it, so I will say it too. Happy Father's Day. And um, this day will be a mixed bag, okay? So there'll be some people in the room. Today's a great day. You're going to go for lunch later. You are happy. It's Father's Day. You love your dad. Maybe you're a dad. You love your kids. Your kids love you. Today is a great day. There's also a group of people who Father's Day actually conjures up some mixed emotions. Maybe your own father isn't here anymore. Maybe your father is here but is useless. Maybe your father is manipulative or abusive um, or, or difficult to deal with. But, you know, but we have different fatherhood stories. Would you agree? It's not all the same. But the fact is, we all have a fatherhood story. For it would actually be impossible for any one of us to be in this room if there wasn't somebody that was our father. Because you see, it takes mom and dad to bring life, eh? I'm not going to go into any more of that. But um, (laughs) but we have to have a father. Every single one of us has a fatherhood story. Every single one of us. Every single one of us. And sometimes they are good and sometimes they are bad. And um, I was thinking about um, the role of a father in Father's Day. And and for me, the role of a father is incredibly important. And and it's actually my belief, and I've done some study, that so many of the, the difficulties and the challenges that we have in society, actually, if you look at what the common thread is in the people who perpetrate some of the worst acts in the world, it's actually just that they're fatherless or that they have a father that was absent. Um, You know, the reality is that when we are not present as fathers, actually it causes an imbalance in the family home. It causes an imbalance in the child. And I think that parents are like wings of an airplane, yeah? And when we're flying, we want the airplane to go forwards, 
and we want the aeroplane to go upwards. Would you agree? We do not want it to go downwards and kind of hit the tarmac. Would you all agree? Yeah, that needs to go up. And so mom and dad are like wings on an aeroplane that help to create momentum, help, help to create direction, help to create um, an opportunity, um, help to create lift, to pick their children up, to, to guide them and to encourage them. We're like wings of an aeroplane. And I think about some of the worst people in history, and I wonder what their story was. And um, I'm European, so um, I started to think about the worst man in my recorded history, and that's Adolf, Hit Adolf Hitler. So Adolf Hitler killed millions of people, um, created an entire war against the whole of the world because he decided that he didn't like certain people. And I thought to myself, I wonder what his father was like. I wonder how his story may have been different if he had a better father. Would we know him differently now? Would we have a different understanding of who he is? And, um, and I will be honest, I didn't do the research on how he was as a father because I just kind of presumed he didn't have a good father. It just kind of makes sense. And um, many people came to me after the first service and said, actually, if you research, it turns out that his father used to give all his money away to look after Jewish people and, and homeless people. And so he grew up all the time feeling like there was poverty in his home but his father gave everything away to look after other people so he grew up with this anger and this angst and his father was abusive and his older brother ran away and it became more abusive and I just think wow like what if his father had just been different like what would Europe have looked like how would that have happened what how would we now know this man would we now know this humanitarian maybe there was a different trajectory that his life could have gone on that would have meant that he wouldn't be known in history as a person who started a world war. But we all have a fatherhood story. So to explain mine, my children and my wife will come up on the screen behind. Um, we are an adopted family. Um, I think it's fairly obvious based upon the fact that uh, I don't look like four of my children. But um, my four children, so bottom right on your screen is Micah. Micah has been home with us for five and a half years. Micah is an obedient, compliant, loving child, does what you ask the first time, never the second. I'm incredibly well behaved. And it's because he's so good that we went on to have other children. Little did we know they wouldn't all be like him. Then... <laughs> We've got uh, Malachi, who's the middle child there. Um, so Malachi's been home with us for three and a half years. He is incredibly passionate. He's incredibly um, effervacious. He has lots of personality, but it's both good and bad. Because when he's good, he's good. But when he's bad, yes, he is ugly. And you can hear it down the street. My neighbors recently put their house on the market. I was convinced it was because of Malachi and when I brush his hair. Um, so I actually apologized to them. They assured me it had nothing to do with him. And then on the bottom right is Mathen. Now, Mathen was the child that we believed was going to be our final son. We we had, um, I had made the decision that I didn't want children past 40. Um, and because of how long adoption takes, by the time Mathen came home, I'd already hit that milestone. So I was like, we're done. No more children. Mathen is the last. And if you've met Mathen, you would kind of agree with me. He's, he's highly strong. He's got so much energy. He, he doesn't walk anywhere. And he literally opens his eyes in the morning and goes, Daddy, and starts running around the room. Like he just only has one <laughs> pace and it's fast. But then, just before Easter, we got a phone call about a fourth son. Uh, his name is Sapiwa, and he's the top right in that photo. And so he is six years old, and he has been home with us now for about six weeks. And he's actually the biological older brother of Malachi. And, um, yeah. 
But church, the journey with Sapiwa has not been simple. Uh, as a six-year-old child, if you look at um, a lot of um, the physiological makeup of a child, actually what they say is that the who you are as a person is really kind of dealt with by the time you are six years old. So much of your personality traits, so much of your belief system, so much of who you are as a person will be set by the time that you are six. Obviously, we'll learn and we'll grow, but so much of what we just take for granted actually is imparted and given to us in those first six years. And um, so as you can imagine, he's come home and he's different. He thinks about the world differently. He behaves differently. He came from a very different environment. Um, he had a very sad set of circumstances. He lost his foster mother. Um, he didn't lose her in the shop. She passed away. And um, so he's had a, you know, a rough upbringing. He thinks differently. He speaks differently. Language was an issue. When he came home, he only spoke Isinkasa and didn't have a single English word in his mouth. And so it wasn't that he was wrong, but he was different. He was different, and it made family life a little bit harder for a while. And if I'm honest, it still does. And as a father, I will be honest with you, church, and be vulnerable. I was struggling. I was buckling a little bit in how to respond to him, how to listen to him. Um, in our family dynamic, I'm the primary carer, so I spend every single afternoon um, with the children doing all the homework and stuff. And I was really finding it really difficult to connect with him. And... Um, and then God reminded me and said, but Chris, when I adopted you, because there's a fatherhood story that we all share, and that's, that's that we are all sons and daughters of the Most High God, but we get there through adoption. The Word of God says that we are adopted. And um, so the Lord said to me, when I adopted you, Chris, you were Sapiwa. You were highly strong. You did things differently. You did not pay attention. You were never obedient. You always looked different to your brothers and sisters. Half the time you hated your brothers and sisters. You would come to me and say, why do I have to hang out with this person? They're so annoying and they're so holy. Can I have some naughty friends again, Lord? He said, you know, you were, you were Sabiwa. You were different. You didn't look like everybody else. But I took you anyway. And I chose to love you as my son, even when you didn't look like everybody else and behave like everybody else. And as time has gone on, my boy, you are more and more and more a part of my family on a daily basis than you ever were. And the same will happen for your new child. So <laughs> I say that to encourage myself, but I also want you to remind yourself that actually you're also the superior in that story, that you actually came into God's family a little bit messy. Hey, How many of us actually grew up and had this perfect Christian home and entered our Christianity with this wonderful life? Most of us come with some baggage. Most of us come with some issues, but it doesn't discredit the fact that you are still a son or daughter. Doesn't discredit the fact. Doesn't change the fact. Because adoption is intentional. And it's intentional on the part of the parents. You can't accidentally adopt someone. So I get that some people say, like, I don't know what happened, and we just had this baby, and it's a lum lucky, but that doesn't happen with adoption. <laughs> adoption is incredibly intentional. It requires so much forethought, it requires so much attention, it requires so much paperwork and legal, you know, it's incredibly intentional. And that's what our father did. His fatherhood to us was incredibly intentional. From the beginning of time, he had to have his son and ready his son and prepare his son to go to the cross and die for you and I so that we could share in the inheritance that Christ did. 
God becoming our father wasn't an accident. It was incredibly intentional. And I want you to understand that. And it was an intentional when you didn't deserve it. It was intentional when you were um, far away. It was intentional where you were rude. It was intentional where you were disobedient. It was intentional when you, in some respects, um, actually didn't deserve it. But what adoption does do is it gives you the same access. It doesn't somehow become a second class. My four children are my children. They're not somebody else's child that I'm looking after until they die. They're my children. Adoption isn't a second-class citizen thing. It somehow doesn't make them any less mine. They are my children. And so we can say the same. We are God's children. We have the full inheritance that Christ has. Just let that settle in. You have the full inheritance that Christ has. So he has direct access to the Father, so do you. He has a seat in heaven, so do you. He has all power and all authority, so do you. We are heirs of God. We are his children. And there are two groups of people in this room. <laughs> And I'm very grateful to see that the majority of you were the first group. And that's a group of people who, when we sang that song earlier, Child of God, that you really just released yourself and really gave into that song and really went to Jesus and went to God and really spoke to your Father. And it's such a beautiful thing. But there will be a group of people here that actually struggle um, with going to God as Father. And if, you, if, you're, if you're honest, you only ever speak to him as Lord. You only ever speak to him as Yahweh. You only ever speak to him as a powerful one, a magnificent one. You don't use the word Father because you actually don't really understand what that term is and you don't trust it and you don't perceive and understand God in that way. And what I want to do today is to give you six keys that I believe are the attributes of God as our Father, attributes of how God responds to us as a Father, that you can only access, I believe, when you understand him to be Father. Because he's God in three persons, and actually he responds to us and, and deals with us differently, depending on who, who in the Godhead we are referring to. And, and Father can only be Father. Jesus can't be your Father. He's your brother. <laughs> <laughs> so Jesus will give you advice like your brother or sister would give you advice but sometimes you have to go to the father hey? sometimes your brother and sister doesn't count anymore and you need to go to your parents you need that wisdom you need that advice from someone who's older and wiser and grayer in my case but you need that wisdom and in Galatians 4 it says God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. There was an important word in there. It says, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. Uh, my two-year-old, I mentioned how he just has one style. If he walked through this door now, he literally wouldn't notice that daddy has a microphone, wouldn't care that there's anybody else in the room. He would run here, he would scream all the way, um, jump onto the stage and just come and give me a cuddle. Because he's my child. Church, how many of you do that when you speak to God? Because that can be your response. So, when the song starts, I'm just like, you're my father. 
I just go. And it's not because I'm on staff and it's not because I'm supposed to do it. I'm doing it because he's my dad and I'm worshiping him. I go to him, I'm like, Daddy, I need your help. Daddy, I need you. Daddy, I need you. That's what I'm doing. I'm like, Daddy, I need you. Because that's what children do. They understand they're smaller than us. They understand that they need us and they raise their hands and they go to their father and they go to their parents. And that's what I do in worship. And so this morning, church, if you're finding that sometimes you aren't going to him with that same sense, then, you know, this message is for you. Start to really just cement and understand that Sapiwa is, so I want you to understand, Sapiwa runs to me and puts his hand up. Because regardless of how I might be feeling, I, he, has the, he calls me father. Therefore, he still behaves like all three of my other children when it comes to what he believes he can access from me. So it doesn't matter how you feel, you can access it, I promise you. You can go to God as your father. Is that good? So the first attribute of being a father is he is a faithful provider. He is a faithful provider. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. From the words of Jesus, our older brother, when asked how to pray, he, the, one of the first words he says is, give us, our, give us today our daily bread. He understood that God is his provider, that his father is his provider. The word of God says that earthly fathers give their children good gifts. When my children ask me for something, I don't give them a snake because that might kill them. I give them something that's helpful and good for them. The Word of God also says, what more would our, perfectly fa- our perfect Father give us to those who ask? We have a perfect Father who will give us the things that we need perfectly. So if you have a provision issue, if you have a needs issue where you just need things in your life, actually what you need to do is call your dad. You need to call your dad. Lord isn't going to help you there in the same way. What you need is dad. You need to go to dad and go, dad, I have a problem. Just like, you know, if I had a problem, my microwave broke. So, <laughs> such a simple thing. But obviously, it was on the back of getting an extra child. There was no extra money for a microwave. So, I was telling my dad, and my dad said, oh, here's the money you can buy yourself a microwave. Because that's what a father does. That's what a parent does. They look after their child. It doesn't matter whether you're 41 or 4. Parents look after their children. Would you agree? The Word of God also says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. God is a faithful provider for you, church. He's also a strong protector. My children believe that I can fight lions. My children believe that I am incredibly strong. And if you ask my children, they will probably tell you I get like a billion trillion on that strength machine. In reality, I'll probably be the one that gets 24 that Sabalo thinks he didn't get. And... Um, so I'm not going to try. But God is our strong protector. Um, the Word of God says in Matthew 6, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. He actually, Jesus is saying that God can rescue us from the pits of hell. He can rescue us from the evil one. He can rescue us from the things that are, are terrible in our life. He can rescue us because he's a protector. He can look after us. He can restore us. He can take us in. And the Word of God also teaches that he's like wings of a cherubim that kind of protects us. How beautiful is that? I love this verse in scripture. My favorite person in the Bible is Joseph, not the one you're all thinking of, um, but Joseph, Jesus' father, because Joseph was an adopted dad. So when I read and, and look at his life, actually it's like I'm 
reading part of my own journey because he took in Jesus. He was not, he was not Jesus, his biological father, but he gave him all the rights of his firstborn. He gave him all the rights of his skill. He taught him how to be a carpenter. He gave him all that knowledge and he had to father him because Jesus didn't come out as 33. He came out as a baby. So there was a lot of growing up between zero and 30 that needed to happen and all of that would have come from his father. And so in Matthew 2, we see that Jesus has been born, but there's now a threat to his life. So the Lord, so God sends an angel to Joseph to say, you need to run away, you need to flee, and you need to take the child with you because there's a threat of life. Even back then, even Jesus, who was incarnate and God and could only actually have his life laid down by his own choice, even in that moment, God protected him. Why? Because God is a faithful protector. He is a strong protector. And if he looks after Jesus, he'll look after us. Why? Because we're the same. We're heirs. We have the same inheritance. We have the same level of protection. We have the same relationship with God. So if we protected Jesus then, he will protect you now. He's also a loving leader. He's a loving leader. In the word of God, when Jesus was um, baptized, um, God um, is the first time in scripture that we see God, Father, Holy Spirit uh, mentioned in one way. In other scriptures, we are given a plural word that referred to God. But in this one, we actually have his three names, his three personhoods clearly defined. And so as Jesus is being baptized, God says, this is my son whom I love. This is my son whom I love. And at this point, Jesus hasn't done anything apart from just grow up to become a good man. He hasn't started his ministry. He hasn't fed 5,000. He hasn't done those things. He hasn't gone to the cross. He hasn't done all the things that we sometimes misappropriate as being the reason that God loves him. He's already loved. Why? Because he's the son. And so this morning, men and women in this room, you are loved by God for no other reason than because you are his son or his daughter. You can't do anything to earn it. You can't do anything to change it. You are loved. But he also is our leader. And countless times throughout scripture, what we find is Jesus saying, I won't do anything outside of the will of the Father. I only do as the Father says. I only do as the Father directs. And even in his moment of death, he says, please remove this cup. And if not, then I shall carry on. He did the will of the Father. So if you are unsure how to navigate your life, if you're unsure what you're supposed to do, where you're supposed to go, what the will is of your life, then what you have is a father issue. Go to dad and ask dad for advice. Go to dad and say, where am I going? What's the leadership of my life? Where am I supposed to be? And let me give you a clue. The word of God says that yeah, God, yeah, the, the great commandment is to love God as we love ourselves and then to love others. Yeah, I've got that completely wrong. But the whole point is that we're supposed to love God love us, and love others as we love ourselves. We're supposed to love people, serve people, bless people, look after people. And I think had Adolf Hitler's father been someone that placed value on people and loved them, I don't believe that man would have grown up to kill millions of people. Would you agree? I just, I can't, I can't live in a world where I accept that my children could ever grow up and get that kind of revelation when their entire life they've been told people are special, people are the prize, Jesus died for us, Jesus loves us. There's, there's a part of them that's built into their core of their DNA that says that people are the prize. Jesus is the person who gets us into eternity. Yeah? He's our loving leader. He's also a truthful teacher. 
Oh, he is a truthful teacher. He will tell you the truth, church. And sometimes we don't like that. And discipline, oh, it comes from God, hey? Because the Word of God actually says that, um, he actually says that he disciplines us because he's our children. You know, I can't overlook anything in my children's life. So, you know, if I'm with somebody else's kids and they say something that I don't think they should say, I might respond, but actually I don't have to. But if my children, even so much as breathe in the time that I don't think they should be breathing about something that's inappropriate, they get a look that can only come from dad. And it stops. And sometimes even mom will, will ring me just so I can do the look over the phone. So the children will stop whatever it is they're doing at home because I'm not there. Because that look can kind of pierce even through the phone. <laughs> but I'm a truthful teacher. I give my children the truth. Also, when my children come to me and ask me questions, I don't kind of make up rubbish. I tell them the truth. When they say, Daddy, I don't understand this, I tell them what's going on. When... Um, my, my four-year-old at the time started coming home and saying that he believed he was the different gender. It was all complete, just children being children. We sat down, we had proper conversations. No, my boy, you were born like this. And we, we spoke. We had a proper conversation about it. Um, when we lost our grandmother, so my wife's mother, our grandmother died a few, uh, about a year ago, we didn't kind of just make that something it wasn't. We sat down our children and said, death is real, but the good news is, we know that Gigi, that was her name, we know that she loved Jesus, so she's gone to be with Jesus. But death is real. And one day death will happen to mommy and daddy. One day death will happen to us. But we pray every day for God's protection because he's our father, that we won't need to access that um, reality anytime soon. He's also a hopeful encourager. For the Lord corrects those he loves just as the father corrects a child in whom he delights. He is a hopeful encourager. sometimes you just need to sit on your father's lap hey and just you're just having a crappy day you can't quite put your finger on it you don't really know what the issue is but you're just feeling all your feelings and they're all just kind of bubbling out and you just need to sit and just be and be in his presence and just get comfort for no reason and it happens so often with all four of my children they just climb onto my lap there's nothing's happened there's, no, there's been no trauma there's been no difficulty in the day but they just need some comfort and they want to go to the one who can bring them comfort and church that's what we can do with God and then finally he is your compassionate friend he's your compassionate friend just as the father has compassion on his children so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction. He's a friend like no other, and he comforts in a way that we can never truly explain or demonstrate. But church, I hope today, in some small and renewed measure, you have got a fresh appreciation of God as your Father. He is your compassionate friend. He is your encourager. He is your loving leader. He is your strong protector. Everything that I have said this morning, it doesn't apply four to the five. Every word that's come out of my mouth today, you have access to church. Even if your earthly father never showed any of it, it doesn't matter. Your access to God is because of God's decision to adopt you. So if today you have placed your, your faith in Jesus, you have access. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what your earthly father has done. It doesn't matter how broken and twisted your life has become. God loves you. God loves you, church. 
and He wants to encourage you. He wants to lead you. He wants to protect you. He wants to um, comfort you. He wants to draw you close as a friend. But most importantly, He wants you to address Him as Father and go to Him and say, Daddy, I need you. Daddy, I love you. Daddy, I'm here. Daddy, I need something. Daddy, 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 my microwave's broken. Daddy, I need something. Hey? And it's different to going to Him and going, Lord, and hallowed. It's, it's a different... It's, a, it's an intimacy. It's a relationship. So this morning, um, if you maybe need to reignite your relationship with God as Father. So this isn't about people that don't know Jesus. This is about people, that, if you're honest with yourself, you don't go to God as, as Dad. You go to Him as this slightly distant Lord. You go to Him as a Holy One, but there is still a curtain of some kind between you and Him. There's a reservation that you have. There's, a, there's a, an apathy that you have. There's a trepidation that you have, a fear that you have. But if you need to unencumber yourself this morning and go to God as Father with every eye closed, can I ask you, if you know that you need to go to God as Father, won't you just raise your hand and let God see the faith that you have so that you can afresh come to God as Father, come to God as the strong protector, come to God as your loving leader, come to God as your compassionate friend, but just come to God. Father, I pray and I thank you, Lord, for every person here, Lord, that is coming again to you this morning, Lord God, as Dad, coming to you as Abba Father. I pray, Lord God, that as their heart changes to accept you as Father in that intimate way, I pray, Father God, that you do for them what you did for me, which was change my life entirely. Because it doesn't matter how dysfunctional or how broken your current relationship might be with, with everybody else around you. When you understand God to be Father, it will change the way that you deal with every aspect of your life. And I know that, God, because you did that for me and you will do that for every person here. So I pray and I commit all of these precious people into your, into your hands as they receive you as God their Father. But church, there is a group of people in this room and you don't know Jesus. If something happened to you today, you're actually not sure what's happening to you on the other side of death. You haven't acknowledged Jesus as Lord and Savior in your life. You may have heard it, you may have been aware of it, but you've actually never confessed with your mouth and, and believed in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that He is the Savior that hung on the cross and bore the transgressions and the death that you deserved because every single person in here has committed some kind of sinful act and every single one of us was born away from God because of the sinful act of Adam and Eve right at the beginning but it is only through belief in Jesus that we can have access as I have spoken about today and eternity in heaven to spend the rest of our life with Jesus and God the Father and the Holy Spirit for all of our days. So if you know that this morning you need to come back to God, maybe you've been far away or that you're coming for the first time. And church, I can be honest with you, right now your heart is probably beating a bit faster. If your heart is beating faster, I'm talking to you. You will know if I'm talking to you because your biology, your biology will start to respond. There's an excitement that's stirring on the inside of you. There's, there's, an, there's, a, there's a yearning because we all want this church. We all want this. So if that's happening to you in a counter three, I want you to raise your hands for no other reason so that we can pray with you, I can pray with you, but also that you can demonstrate to Jesus the decision you've made today. So that's you. Come home to Jesus for the first time on one. If this is you coming home again, please do so on two. Come on, number three. Yes, three. Three. Come on, church. Is there anybody here that needs to bring their life to Jesus? Anybody here that needs to pledge um, to follow Him all their days? Come on, church. I know there are people here. Um, 
that are fearful even maybe of making this decision that you've got to have it all together. That's an absolute lie. Jesus hung on the cross when you were a sinner. Jesus hung on the cross long before you were ever born. So your sin and the things you did wrong weren't, didn't even exist yet when he chose to forgive you of them. But church, if we can all pray together, Lord Jesus, we pray and we thank you for your death on the cross and the sacrifice that you made so that I can have direct access total forgiveness and sonship or, 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 or uh, sonship or childlike faith childlike faith with God the Father I pray Lord Jesus that you would come into my heart change me love me and help me to become a new person and all of God's people said Amen Amen